lots of stuff to go over for the uh, Mike of New York podcast. Uh, been a little less productive than normal, primarily because we've uh, been adjusting to some new technology that we picked up along the way, and uh, we're trying to improve that. We're also trying to bring you more and more uh, instances where we can uh, broaden our listenership uh, and and maybe bring it up to a standard uh, that's more uh, wider as far as it. We're, we're working on ways that you can send voice clips or, or messages into the podcast and uh, get get more voices into this other than just you know the voice clips that I get released by politicians and, and whatever you know we, we want everybody to get into Mike of New York and uh, give everybody a chance to be heard because obviously the more people that are heard the more of your voices that are out there the less chance that uh, you know we just not see a mediascape that is 100% dominated by one political group and that is the left the extreme left much like it is in canada you know joe rogan was talking about canada and uh it's it's political structure and how basically uh canada is communist Canada's crazy. they're fucked they're fucked they gotta get rid of that guy how much time does he have i feel like he's been prime minister for a while am i wrong i don't know i don't know how their system works up there i have zero understanding of the system Canada is communist. Canada's crazy. They're fucked. Yeah. So that's Joe Rogan's way of putting it about Canada. And and obviously, I've been to Canada. I don't one hundred percent agree. I don't think they're totally communist. Uh, it's just their government is basically screwed up with the uh, the level of leftism in it and and wokeness that is brokenness at sometimes. Hey, it's their country. They're where you living their life. But you know, it's just weird. Uh, for us down here in the 48 or uh, up in Alaska, you know, the people who have to go over to Canada. But there are entire regions of Canada. You go, you go to Manitoba, it's totally different. You, you go to British Columbia, it's totally different. Uh, you go to Ontario, yeah, it's basically what you get. Uh, people there are just so into that scene in Toronto. But you go outside of Toronto and it's a totally different world, you know. Um, they also have their problems with groups that are what we would consider right wing, uh, you know, and all that. And uh, Canada is Canada. Joe Rogan, of course, dissing Canada uh, with comments like Canada's this. Canada is communist. Canada's crazy. They're fucked. They're fucked. Yeah, that's that's Joe Rogan. That's the way he views Canada. But uh, you know, he doesn't understand the system, uh, how how parliamentary government works, and then we're in that, you know. Basically, if you're in Parliament, you can even stay in practically forever uh, until, you know, your government is tossed out or, or your political party loses and you get to set when that election will be. And that, you know, for Americans or those who are from other countries who don't quite understand it, that's pretty much how it works. Uh, let's listen to more from Rogan. Looked into it at all. I just, I didn't even, I, I liked him. I liked him before the Trudeau. Yeah. yeah. I was like, he's a handsome guy. Yeah. Seems sweet. Yeah. You know, it's like good, good looking guy, confident, good talker. Yeah. And then during the pandemic, I'm like, oh, you're a fucking dictator. Yeah. Oh, you don't like criticism. You're trying to shut down criticism by saying that all your critics are misogynists and racists. Yeah. He said that about the trucking people, the truckers. He called them. Called them all misogynists and racists. Oof. Yeah. He's gross. He's. A and, you know, they're talking here about Justin uh, Trudeau, you know, and, and basically. Canada is communist. Canada's crazy. They're. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I can't get over that Joe Rogan post, but they're not. 
or are they? Who knows? Maybe I don't know. You know, I don't live there. I go visit every now and then. We have a family up there, uh, and my 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 sons go visit their their you know their relatives up there. Yeah, he said that about the trucking people, the truckers. He called them called them all misogynists and racists. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty much what they call me. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, hey, that's kind of landia. That that's that's the way it is. Do you know that it is actually easier to get a legal U.S. visa than it is to get a Canadian visa? That's one thing that people have learned over the years. Uh, because basically Canada only has one type of visa, which is basically they think anybody who wants to go to Canada, if you're not, a, you know, you're, you're from a country where you, that requires a visa, unlike the United States, they don't require a visa for the United States. And um, their, their policy is essentially that everybody's treated as a migrant when you go up there. Uh, even... Us Yankees, you know, we cross over to, to go eat in uh, uh, Fort Erie or, or go over to uh, play the slightly better slots at uh, the <laughs> casinos in, in Niagara Falls on the Canadian side, where it's cleaner, a lot cleaner. Uh, you don't win as much, but it's a lot cleaner. Uh, that is true. But no, if you compare the, the casinos of, let's say, uh, let's say, Falls View or uh, you know any any of those uh, places that people play at in 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 uh, Niagara Falls, and you compare them to say Atlantic City. The first thing you will notice is, dang, it's clean. <laughs> um, and usually, cleanliness is a sign that things are well run in in most cases, or that you know there there is a lot of uh, control. Um, it's very different than than what many Americans are used to, if you're not used to crossing into Canada, the first thing you will be asked is if you've ever had a DUI or any kind of conviction. And essentially, uh, you're not going to be allowed in if you've had a DUI because they're tired of drunk Americans driving Canada uh, and, and hurting Canadians and running across the border and then never being able to catch them sometimes. But that's not really true. I mean, you know, Canadian and U.S. law enforcement are very integrated. You commit a crime in Canada, or you commit a crime in the United States if you're Canadian, you're going to get caught. You know, the Mounties will get you on the Canadian side, and eventually U.S. law enforcement will find you. That's true. More from Rogan. Because someone just told me, Whitney just told me, she wanted to, she had to show her fucking vaccination card to get into Canada. That seems, it's a little, like it adds up for it's the, old. Yeah. Like, this is where, it's 2022. It's not 2019. You know where it, it still feels, because um, I think things sway there so aggressively when thing when something happens, um, where it feels like you know, wait, what time is it right now? Is in New York. I was just in New York. Oh, yeah. Everywhere, everyone was masked up. Everywhere. I was like, what's going on? Why are everyone still masked up? They're scared. We live here. It's a different place. Like everybody here said, well, I hope I don't get sick. Take yeah. care of yourself. Do your best. Get medicine if you get sick. Yeah. But New York is. It, it was strange. I was there two weeks ago. It's bizarre. Yeah. Lots of stuff to go over for the uh, Mike of New York podcast. Uh, been a little less productive than normal, primarily because we've uh, been adjusting to some new technology that we picked up along the way, and uh, we're trying to improve that. We're also trying to bring you more and more uh, instances where we can uh, broaden our listenership uh, and, and maybe bring it up to a standard uh, that, that's more uh, wider 
as far as it. We're, we're working on ways that you can send voice clips or, or messages into the podcast and uh, get get more voices into this other than just, you know, the voice clips that I get released by politicians and, and whatever. You know, we, we want everybody to get into Mike of New York and uh, give everybody a chance to be heard because obviously the more people that are heard, the more of your voices that are out there, the less chance that uh, you know we just not see a media scape that is 100% dominated by one political group, and that is the left, the extreme left, much like it is in Canada. You know, Joe Rogan was talking about Canada and uh, its its political structure. Occupy the same space. They are both monarchs of Twitter. In a way, Elon Musk and Trump occupy the same space. They are both monarchs of Twitter. In a way, when Trump was dethroned as Twitter king, Elon Musk took up that space. 100 million followers. Every single tweet is a news story. He's a figure adored by libertarians. He's hated by the left. So when Trump and Musk have a spat, how do the left respond? Why is it, in particular in this instance, that uh, Trump is criticising Musk? Let's have a look. I tell you what, Elon, Elon. Trump's very good at repeating a word, isn't he? China. China. He's not going to buy Twitter. Where did you hear that before? From me. From a fake account. She says fake. A lot of them. He's proud of every aspect of his reality, isn't he? A lot of fake accounts. Lot of them. Lot of them. There's nothing about him that he doesn't sort of attach pride and ego to. Nah, he's got himself a mess. You know, he said the other day, oh, I've never voted for a Republican. I said, I didn't know that. He told me he voted for me. So he's another bull artist, but he's not going to be buying it. He's not going to be buying it. Although he might later. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? He's got a pretty rotten contract. I looked at his contract. Not a good contract. <laughs> Even criticizing someone's good. Not a good contract. Not a good contract. Here's what Donald Trump thinks. When Elon Musk came to the White House asking me for help on all of his many subsidized projects, whether it's electric cars that don't drive long enough, driverless cars that crash, or rocket ships to nowhere, Trump there demonstrating his ability to come up with really good this is. He's got a beautiful way of describing Elon Musk's lifelong projects. Cars that don't work, driverless cars that crash, rocket ships to nowhere. Without subsidies, he'd be worthless, telling me how he's a big Trump fan and Republican. I could have said, drop to your knees and beg, and he would have done it. Amazing. Amazing that anyone can communicate that confidently about another billionaire and in this instance, the world's richest man. And in fact, in so many respects, Trump's heir, certainly as the patriarch king of Twitter. This is the story that we're talking about. Elon Musk could be forced by a US court to complete his $44 billion takeover of Twitter, according to legal experts, despite pulling the plug on the transaction. The Tesla chief executive told Twitter on Friday that he's terminating the deal, citing concerns over the number of spam accounts on the social media platform. On Sunday night, Bloomberg reported that Twitter had assembled a legal team to sue Musk. First, Musk wanted Twitter, and Twitter didn't want Musk to have it. Now, Musk don't want Twitter, and Twitter's going to force Musk to have it. It's such a complicated situation. We need the clarity that only the mainstream media can give us. Elon Musk is a man. Good. Now I understand. I think that can't... What is Elon Musk? He's so complex. Is he an errant child? Is he a wanderer? Is he a minstrel working in binary code? Elon Musk is a man. And that's basically it. Okay, so let's throw some red. You can find him on Rumble. 
I'll put a link to both the Joe Rogan episode, uh, you know, where where Joe Rogan basically gives uh, his opinion of Canada. Canada's communist. They're fucked. Yeah. Uh, so so you got you got Joe Rogan's opinion of stuff about you know all things Canadian, and then and then of course you got uh, you know uh, Russell Brand uh, worrying about Elon Musk. What is Elon Musk? He's so complex. Is he an errant child? Is he a wanderer? Is he a minstrel working in binary code? Elon Musk is a man. You know. Okay. So 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 that's that's the whole thing. So Russell Brand and <laughs> the Baldy Brand. Yeah, Rogan, Rogan and Company. All right. So that's it for me for now. We're gonna come up with some more serious stuff in a little bit. First, listen to the. And now, from Joe Rogan and Brand, let's go over to John Kennedy. No, no, not John F. Kennedy. We're talking about John Kennedy. Uh, he is the senator from Louisiana. He has that old down-home ch- Southern charm when he speaks. That gentleman just to exudes that Southern ooze and charm. But he gets right to the point with Joe Biden. He calls the BS for what it is. Joe Biden on fuel prices has been an embarrassment. Much, much more. Here's uh, Senator John Kennedy on what he thinks of Joe Biden and that whole situation. Um, deeply, profoundly, stupid, deeply, profoundly stupid. That is the only way that I know how to describe one of the worst decisions by an administration that has become famous for bad decisions. I am talking about President Biden's assault on sustainable, affordable energy. The people of Louisiana know, Mr. President, and the people of America know that they're now paying $90 to fill up their cars and tanks with gas because the Biden administration killed the Keystone Pipeline, canceled our offshore oil leases, and forfeited America's energy independence. We were energy independent. The Biden administration forfeited it. What seems to be underappreciated, Mr. President, however, is how President Biden's agenda is driving up the price, not just of oil, but of all kind of necessities that American and Louisiana families need every day. It's not just about oil and gas, it's about everything. Not only do most goods get to our homes after riding in trucks and planes and cars and ships powered by gas or diesel, but a lot of our plastics and other products, if you think about it, they're also made from petroleum. 
Actually, only 60% of oil in the world gets used as a fuel. 40% of the global oil supply ends up in other things, things other than cars and trucks, in products. That means that it doesn't just cost people more to get to and from the store. It uh, means almost everything in the store costs more because of its connection to oil. Some medicines come from oil. Microfiber comes from oil. Mascara comes from oil. Synthetic leather comes from oil. Do you, do you have a phone case or a handbag or a chair or a car made with plastic? That's oil. That's oil. Um, now, not everything's made from oil. Um, some goods that you buy are not made from that natural resource. But I bet they're packaged in plastic. And all of these items, all of these household necessities um, are, are uh, casualties of President Biden's assault on sustainable energy. Here is a fat fact. Our economy can't run without fossil fuels. Now, I'm not suggesting that fossil fuels should be our only source of energy. Certainly, we should take advantage of the efficiencies we can find in wind. I believe in wind and solar. I believe in solar and nuclear and hydrogen and hydroelectric. But part of a sensible, sustainable, affordable energy plan has to include fossil fuels. Ours is the greatest economy in all of human history. It can't run without energy. And 80% of our energy today comes from fossil fuels. That is just a fat fact. The truth is that American ingenuity, and I'm referring to fossil fuels, has made the most out of the, one of the most versatile resources that the world's ever known. But the Biden White House is determined to punish us for that innovation. It's just determined to punish us by making every single part of the American dream more expensive. Um, even necessities that aren't directly made from, from petroleum depend on affordable fuel to reach American families. Uh, record high inflation and gas prices have sent Americans to food pantries. Why? Because even fruits and eggs and milk are becoming unaffordable. The latest reports show that many Americans are paying 8.6% higher prices today than they were last year. But we know it's more than that. I know those are the official government numbers, but we know it's more than that. Eggs are up 32%. Milk's up 16%. Flour's up 14%. Baby food, when you can find it, is up 13%. These aren't luxury items. These are staples that Americans depend on every single day. Well, I mean, why is a Louisiana man telling us, I'm going to quote, 
My food budget is insane. My food budget is insane. It's gone up 100 to $150 a week. So it's becoming more and more difficult to buy the same thing I bought a year or two years ago. That's not, not just a Louisianian talking. That's, that's all across America. Why did a woman in Baton Rouge realize that fruits and vegetables, not sirloin steak, fruits and vegetables are breaking her bank? She's cooking more with rice and bread instead of fruits and vegetables. The, the high grocery prices for this lady are gutting her and her family like a fish. And that's just a fact. A very unhappy one. But it's a fact. Now, high oil prices are also waterboarding our farmers, which contributes to these high food prices. Did you know that we, we make in, industrial fertilizer from fossil fuels? And when natural gas costs more, so does fertilizing a field of wheat or corn or soybeans. Some of our herbicides right now are twice as expensive as they were, if farmers can find them. Tractors drink diesel. Duh. So do irrigation systems. A gallon of diesel, one gallon. A year ago, you know what it was? $3.23. You know what it is today? $5.20. Now, what does this mean for, for Louisiana rice farmers and, and other growers? For every extra dime farmers spend on a gallon of diesel, every extra dime, a grower will spend about $4.50 more for an acre of rice, $2.30 more for an acre of cotton, and an extra $1.74 for an acre of corn. Corn growers, I mentioned corn growers, they also depend on nitrogen fertilizer, which we make with methane. And then corn, I mentioned corn. Corn goes into cereal, it goes into sweetened drinks, peanut butter, baby food, ketchup, salad dressing. You know, I, I don't mean to be ugly, but this administration's energy policy is deeply, profoundly stupid. And it's dangerous. Um, so, so my people, Mr. President, are feeling President Biden's gas hike from the gas pump to the grocery store, to the doctor's office. Um, a lot of the raw materials that make our medicines and healthcare products are made from, guess what, petroleum. Oil goes into our burn creams. You ever burn yourself? Have to go to the local grocery store or the local pharmacy, buy something to put on your burn? That cream comes from oil. You have allergies? Those allergy pills are made in part with oil. Ever get a cold? Take a little NyQuil? Take some cold tablets? Need oil to make them. Uh, our kids' gummy vitamins are made with oil. 
The Band-Aids in your medicine cabinet, they're made from oil. The president's assault on fossil fuels is hitting my people in Louisiana, Mr. President, and they're hitting the American people so hard they're coughing up bones. My people and the people of America are increasingly having to dip into their savings accounts just to afford everyday items. Not to take a cruise, not to buy a new car, not to, to buy some new clothes to look good at church on Sunday, for household necessities. And, and on top of that, in, in addition to going into their savings account, my people and the people all across America are having to charge more and more and more to their credit cards. Not for luxuries, but for staples, for necessities. The, all of this inflation caused in part by the president's bone-deep, down-to-the-marrow, stupid energy policy is costing the average American and Louisiana family $635 a month. Now think about that. $635 a month. Let's call it seven dollars to $8,000 a year. If you're a mom making $40,000 a year, and you're a dad making $40,000 a year, and you've got two children, and you have a home, nothing special, you know, uh, $200,000 home, it's got a mortgage, mom and dad have to go to work, so they have to, to have uh, automobiles, they have car payments, they're using every penny of that $80,000 a year. And now all of a sudden, here comes inflation. And they've got to come out of pocket with an, an extra seven dollars to $8,000 a year? Where's the money going to come from? And just about every middle-class American is experiencing that right now. Now recently, the president sent a letter. He sent a letter to the top oil companies. And in the letter, it was kind of a snipping letter, frankly. He, uh, he demanded that the oil companies wrap, uh, ramp up their refining operations to try to slow the rising energy prices and to shore up supply. Isn't that special? The same president, he ran on it. He did it. He ran on it, said he'd do it, and he's done it. The same president who promised to end fossil fuels is now blaming the energy industry for historic oil and gas prices. The truth is, this administration refuses to accept responsibility for bad policies. And I don't know why they pursued this policy, other than just to try to check off a, a promise made to satisfy their woke agenda. For the sake of Americans' economic futures and for the sake of our national security, Mr. President, we cannot to continue to rely on foreign oil imports. We can't. While pretending to run this country using wind, solar, and wishful thinking, because that's what the President's new policy is on energy. It's wind, it's solar, it's wishful thinking. 
Wishful thinking doesn't fill gas tanks or grocery cars. And the president this week will be in Saudi Arabia. He's not there as a tourist. He's in Saudi Arabia to beg the, the Saudis to produce more oil after he has already forfeited America's energy independence and he refuses to take his boot off the throat of the oil and gas industry to allow our uh, oil and gas producers to produce our own oil. So think about it. That's, this is the president's new energy policy. Let's don't produce our own oil and gas. Let's give up our energy independence. But we have to have oil and gas. So what do we do? The president's new policy is let's give up our own oil and gas and let's buy oil from foreign countries that hate us. So those foreign countries will have more money to buy weapons to try to kill us. It just makes no sense. And the people of Louisiana deserve better, Mr. President. And the people of America deserve better. Thank you, Mr. President. I, I yield the floor. And now, from Joe Rogan and Brand, let's go over to John Kennedy. No, no, not John F. Kennedy. We're talking about John Kennedy. Uh, he is the senator from Louisiana. He has that old down-home ch- Southern charm when he speaks that gentleman just to exudes that Southern ooze and charm. But he gets right to the point with Joe Biden. He calls the BS for what it is. Joe Biden on fuel prices has been an embarrassment. Much, much more. Here's uh, Senator John Kennedy on what he thinks of Joe Biden and that whole situation. At the federal, state, and local level, we have to have a change in course, and we need leadership that will let this happen. So, this is a little controversial, and I will either get a standing ovation, and I don't care about the ovation, I care about the country, or people are going to walk out of the room for what I am about to say, but it's time, finally, to say it. I did a really good job with drugs on our border. Perhaps nobody is more aware of the drug problem in our country than I am. I worked very hard on it for four years plus. We worked long hours, and during my years in the White House, we had great success, especially when you compare it to what is happening now, where drugs are pouring into our country at levels never seen before. We got drug use down 18 percent in the White House, with an effort headed up by our great First Lady. She worked very hard on that. But that still meant hundreds of thousands of people were dying from the drug problem. Each drug dealer, on average, is responsible for the death or the destruction of 500 lives. Each drug dealer. At least 200,000 people a year are dying from these drugs. That's an invasion. It's an invasion. Same as bullets, same as bombs. Especially fentanyl, a disaster that I greatly slowed down through dealing with President Xi of China 
had long conversations. I said, you got to stop it. And he did. But now it's coming in at levels that we haven't seen before, fentanyl. I've studied all aspects. We've had blue ribbon committees headed up by dilettantes, society people, and others that are far more interested in seeing their name in the newspapers than in stopping the massive inflow of drugs. More importantly, even if they wanted to, they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't have a chance. They don't have what's necessary to win against the evil and, unfortunately, brilliant minds of those that head the cartels and other forms of drug distribution. If you look at countries through — all throughout the world, no matter where you go, the only ones that don't have a drug problem are those that institute the death penalty for drug dealers. They're the only ones. They don't have any problem. They don't have a drug problem. You understand that, Tom. I never even discussed this with you, but you understand it better than anybody. China has no drug problem. No, China has no drug problem because they have what's called quick trial. Quick trial where a dealer, when caught, goes to trial quickly and, if guilty, is immediately executed. Singapore, likewise, despite the wealth and all of the other aspects that would normally lead to massive use of drugs, has no drug problem because dealers are given, after a fast trial, the death penalty. Many years ago, China became a drug-ridden country. It was weak, lethargic, and large sections were easily taken over by other countries and the enemy. They had massive problems with opium, as you probably know from reading your history books, and other drugs were devastating them as a country. This went on for many, many decades until their leaders decided it must stop, and it must stop now. It was brutal, but it ended, and it ended very quickly. When I was with President Xi of China, I innocently and perhaps naively asked, do you have much of a drug problem in China? And he looked at me and said, no. Why would you ask? He didn't say this, but I'm saying what he was thinking. Why would you ask such a dumb question as that? No, 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 we don't have a drug problem. Why would we have a drug problem? There is no problem. Drug dealers get the death penalty. The trial goes very quickly. So instead of coming into China, they go someplace else. We've had big drug problems over the centuries, but we don't have a drug problem at all now. They don't deal in China. These drug dealers, they just don't deal in China. The consequences are far too great. It's called death. The drug problem in China, however, is our problem because they make drugs there, but they won't sell them there because they're afraid to do so, so they sell them through our southern border and other places into the United States. And we had a very strong understanding when I was president with President Xi, and he was largely living up to that understanding. It was really slowing down, but now it's out of control. Because Trump isn't there, it's out of control. So we can continue to have our blue ribbon committees made up of some of the people in this room for very nice people. They're wonderful people, but sadly, they don't have a clue. Or we can be strong and do what ultimately has to be done. I listened as one country was being excoriated for having 
horribly executed a relatively small number of people. But the person representing this country said, by doing this, we have saved tens of thousands of people and lives and families. We have no drug problem whatsoever in our country. You must also have the death penalty for those who kill police officers as well as those who kill through human trafficking. The women and children, in particular, are destroyed by traffickers, making more money than some of the biggest people in business. They are making money that a lot of people, even very successful people, have never seen before. If it were money alone, they should be on the cover of the business magazines, not the nice Ivy League graduates of the wonderful Wharton School of Finance or the Harvard Business School. So we can be streetwise, tough and smart, and end our problem, or we can be politically correct, weak, and frankly, extremely stupid, which is probably the way we will continue to be and lose millions and millions more people to a scourge the likes of which our country and most other countries have never seen before. So do something about it. And that's all for me for now. I'm Mike of New York on this 17th day of July, Sunday, as I come to you and leave you with these wonderful thoughts and kind words. Have a great day. God bless you. God bless all of us. Please pray for me as I continue to pray for all of you. And let's pray for this great country all aboard of. God bless America. Have a great day.